All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's good to see you all this morning. Most of you know this, but in case you don't, God gave us a gift this week, my family and I, my wife and I, and our daughter and Garrett. Kelly gave birth to an eight-pound, two-ounce baby girl, and on Monday, uh, Sunday night, we were with him, and Kelly was saying, I, I hope this baby comes tonight, because I don't want to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> God answered that prayer, but we're so grateful that uh, God has given us this gift. Piper Lee Acker was born Monday morning at 7.30, and uh, she is in good health. Uh, Kelly as well, she's you know still... Uh, gathering or getting her strength and uh, pray for them pray for uh, pray for Garrett because Garrett said afterward when they got home he said that was nothing like I thought it was going to be and he's just getting started Excuse me. so pray pray for him he's uh, it's just a blessing you know she if, if you want to see pictures just follow me on Instagram and you'll see lots of pictures of the baby girl and we're just excited for that for that blessing. Uh, Bethany told me she said, "Dad, I'll probably sing a couple more times and then I'll stop singing." So, which is fine. I don't know how she can breathe, you know, being pregnant. How she can get a breath, but uh, uh, she's you know she's doing it, and uh, we thank God for for that blessing as well. We're we're expecting her to deliver sometime in uh, March, middle of March. But uh, Kelly was actually due in. Uh, on February 14th, so the baby is what, I guess three weeks? Yeah, three weeks already. So what, what uh, I thought was kind of funny is that she's having to go back every day. After she got home, she had to go back every day to, uh, to get weighed. They wanted to make sure she wasn't going to lose too much weight because on paper she's a preemie. I'm like, she was eight pounds, two ounces, you know. <laughs> That's a pretty big preemie, but, you know, technically she's a preemie, so... Uh, finally, yesterday, you know, she'd been losing some weight yesterday. She finally gained, uh, I, I guess, a couple of ounces or something. So um, we're, we're thankful for that. So it's it's a blessing. Thank you for your all your kind words and and your um, uh, congratulations and your prayers as well. We're uh, rejoicing at the way God is is uh, continuing to bless our family. Well, today, as I said, we conclude the series that we started a couple of weeks ago. This series is titled Get Fit. We've talked about getting fit spiritually. That was the first week, and that's really the most important one. And uh, last week, we talked about getting fit physically. Uh, unfortunately, we had a, a technical, some technical issues with the recording of uh, last week's sermon, so that's why it didn't go up on the podcast, but uh, you can go back on Facebook. The audio is not as good, but you can go back on Facebook and listen to that very important message on getting fit uh, physically. And uh, today we conclude this series, Get Fit, Developing Healthy Habits for Life. Developing Healthy Habits for Life. In other words, we don't just want to develop healthy habits temporarily, but we want to develop habits for life. Developing healthy habits temporarily I mean, that's easy. That's not hard to do. Billions of people do that every January. They develop healthy habits temporarily. In fact, uh, I was uh, reading uh, this week on the news that, excuse me, <coughs> Strava, Strava is uh, an 
uh, social networking website for athletes. I use Strava to keep track of my mileage when I run and keep track of my shoes, how many miles I've got on my shoes so I know when it's time to change them. And they have uh, millions of, of users, and so they, they uh, published a report that said that most people, uh, researchers looked into this, they studied it, and they said that most people abandon their health-related, their health-related New Year's resolutions by January 12th. By January 12th, they give up their New Year's resolutions as they pertain to, to health. Uh, I guess that's true. I mean, that's, that's a study, and they've got the, the proof to show that. Um, those aren't the results that I'm hoping for with this series, by the way. This series, I'm hoping and I'm praying that as we learn uh, what we're learning, the scriptures and the teachings, that it'll be something we can put into practice and develop, continue to work on, and uh, practice those for the rest of our lives. And I, I believe that, and I'm praying for that because I know that God is powerful to help make and to help us to make and keep commitments, to make and keep commitments, to help us make and and develop habits that will allow us to get fit and stay fit spiritually, physically, and as we're going to talk about today, financially. And I don't know if when you think about finances, I don't know if you think about finances when you hear the word fitness, but this is certainly the time of year, I think, that our thoughts do turn to our financial health after the effects of our Christmas spending Start showing up. Maybe they show up uh, on a credit card bill that comes in in January. Or maybe it's uh, the current balance in our account right now. After we've spent so much in December, we're trying to get back on track. Uh, Any one of those things maybe causes us to think, I probably should get my finances in order. And so even though we started talking in the beginning of this series about spiritual fitness, that's really the most important area of our life. And, and really when we are spiritually fit, that lays the groundwork for fitness in all the other areas. And so we can't ignore the, the, uh, these other areas, health and, and even some areas that we're not necessarily getting to into in this series, uh, like relationships. But uh, this includes as well our financial health. And so developing... Financial habits, developing biblical habits, is what we're talking about. Biblical habits for, for how to manage our money, because the Bible does say a lot about money. Jesus taught a lot about money. He taught more about money, get this, he taught more about money than he taught about heaven or hell combined. So this is not some, <clears throat> some unimportant issue, some peripheral issue. Uh, it's peripheral to, to our spiritual fitness, but it's an important issue. And, and I think that when we develop these healthy financial habits, it contributes to the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And so some of the things we're going to talk about today are going to be, you might think, well, that's not really a spiritual step. Uh, they may seem kind of earthly, kind of mundane, with no eternal value, but they really are spiritual steps because they're biblical principles, as you'll see, and because they allow us to lead the life that God intended for us and He intends for us to live. A life of trust in God, a life of trust in God's ways, because if you trust God, you're going to trust His ways. If you say you trust God, you're going to trust the way God does things. 
And, and he wants us to have this life in which we can bless others, in which we can partner with each other and partner with others to do God's work. So what does it mean to be financially fit? What does it look like? What does it look like to be financially fit? I mean, we're talking about, like we did last week about physical fitness. There are certain indications, right? There are certain external indicators to being physically fit. We can look at certain people and we can say, okay, she's physically fit or he's physically fit. We can do that by looking at each other. In fact, look at your neighbor. At, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I wouldn't do that. So the, the problem is that we can't tell at, by looking at someone, we can't tell if they're financially fit. I mean, someone can have a great job. They can have a great salary and yet be drowning financially. Somebody can have a nice house, can have a couple of, of late model cars, and yet be in a desperate financial situation. So, how do we know if we are financially fit? What are the characteristics of a person who is financially fit? And let me say, before I, I, I go through a, a list of characteristics, let me say that being financially fit has very little to do with how much money you make. It's not about making more money, but it's about being wiser about how we spend our money, the money that you make, whether it's a little or a lot. You can be financially fit whether you make a lot of money or you make a little money. So what are the characteristics then? You can ask yourself, am I, here's a question, am I financially fit? It's a good question, right? Ask yourself, am I? Evaluate your financial condition Am I financially fit? And here are the indicators. If you can say this, then that's a good sign that you're financially fit. I'm able to pay my bills. If you can say, I'm able to pay my bills. Especially, I can pay my bills without a lot of stress and sweat every month. I can pay my bills on time. And I'm not stressing it. I'm not saying, oh, I, I got to get paid today or I won't be able to pay my bills. I'm able to pay my bills. If you can, then that's a good indicator that you're financially fit. If you can't, then that's a good sign that you're not financially fit. Here's another indicator. My debt is decreasing. If you can say my debt is decreasing, then that's a good sign. If your debt is lower this month than it was last month, then... That's a good sign that you're financially fit. But if your debt is increasing every month, then that's a sign that um, you're on an unsustainable path. All right, so that's, that's a good indicator. Here's another one. My savings is increasing. My debt is decreasing and my savings is increasing. No matter how much you make, everybody should be able to put aside at least a little bit each month, at least a little bit each month. And if your savings account is increasing a little bit, it's steadily going up, then that's a sign of financial fitness. Here's another indicator. I can plan for the future. I can plan for the future. In other words, you're not just living day to day or week to week or even month to month. You know, if you can plan for the future, if, you, if you're not just living day to day, then that's, that's a good sign. If you have enough financial margin that you can plan for the future, that's an indication of financial fitness. Whether, you, whether you, we're talking about planning and saving for a vacation, 
or planning and saving for a bigger home or planning and saving for retirement. I mean, planning for the future is important. If you can do that, you got enough margin in your finances that you can do that. That's a good sign. Here's another indicator. I can give in a God-honoring way. If you're in a position where you can be obedient to God in giving, where you can do what God wants you to do with the money that He allows you to manage, because it's all God's money, then if you can do that, things like bringing your tithe and offerings, things like helping those in need, then that's a sign of financial fitness. Now let's go to our text today in Luke 16, beginning with verse 10. These are the words of Jesus in Luke 16, 10 and 11. Listen to this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, as we look at these words of Jesus, and he talks about, okay, if you you can be trusted with a little bit, then you can be trusted with a lot. But if you can't be trusted with, with, with a little bit, you won't be trusted with more. If you can't be trusted with the mundane things of, of earthly things like money, then how can God trust us with something bigger than that? Something more than that? With true riches. And so what Jesus is saying is this. Money is a test. Money is a test. If God can't trust you with money with the money He's given you right now, with the money you're earning through your job and the money that you're managing, if He can't trust you with how you manage that, then how can He trust you with future financial blessings, not to mention true riches, the spiritual blessings, the things that that bring even more joy and true joy and happiness beyond money. And so money is a test. How, How you handle your money every Day, how you handled it in 2018, how are you going to handle it this year, 2019? It's a test, and God is watching. God is observing. So let's look at some scriptures. We're going to go through some practical steps. This whole series has, has been a little bit different than I normally preach. I normally like to, to get a passage of scripture and, 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 and just preach through that. Uh, this series, I'm going to various uh, scriptures and And learning from different scriptures as we consider this topic. But here are some biblical steps to financial fitness that I believe will help put you in a place where God can bless you. These are steps that, if you put them into practice, will show God that you are trustworthy with the money that He has given you. Here's the first one. Put God first in your finances. Put God first in your finances. And and this is very important. This has got to be the first one. Before we talk about money specifically, we have to ask ourselves who or what will be first in our lives. And here's something else that uh, Jesus said in Luke 12, 34. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen to that carefully. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money is invested, where your money is being spent, that's where your heart is. You can say to God, oh God, my heart is for you. But if our money is being spent on things 
that are not of God, then that's not true. Our money, our heart is where our money is. That's where our heart is. Where your money goes, how you use your money, that shows who your true love is. It reveals what's most important to you. Now, if I were to see your bank account, and don't get nervous, I have no way of doing that. But if I were to see your bank account, it would reveal what's most important in your life. What's most meaningful to you. If God is really the Lord of your life, it's going to show in how you manage your money. That's what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, what's interesting about money is that money is... Money isn't inherently evil. Money is value neutral. The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. The Bible doesn't even say that money is the root of all evil. So people say money is evil. Money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Not the, not, money is not the rule of, uh, root of all evil. But it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Evil, because money is not inherently evil. It only becomes a problem when we love money more than we love God. Now you might say, whoa, pastor, there is no way I love money more than God. I love God more than money. Well, when you make decisions based on how much money you have, or you make decisions based on on how you want to manage your money, rather than decisions based on what God wants you to do, or when you let money set the direction for your life. When you let money be the factor that, that makes the decisions in your life, then you're putting money before God. So the question is, who or what are you living for? The first step has to be put God first in your life and put God first in your finances. Here's the way that Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33. He said, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness And all these things will be added to you. All these things will be given to you as well. Now, what are all these things he was talking about? He had just been teaching about worry, how we worry about things we're going to eat, things we're going to drink, and how we're going to dress. And he says, don't worry about those things. And I mean, we we think, okay, we're going to have food on the table. We've got to have clothes for ourselves and our kids, and that's important. And, and God says, don't worry about those things. If you put God first, He gives you those things. Seek God first and His righteousness. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So make sure God is first and God will give you everything you need. He'll meet your needs. Now He won't give you your greeds, but He'll give you your needs. Okay? So that's what the Bible says. So get your priorities in order. Here's, here's another important step. Start an emergency fund. Now some of you will recognize this as one of Dave Ramsey's steps to financial fitness. And not just Dave Ramsey. All the uh, financial counselors will, will teach this. Start an emergency fund. Whether you're in college or you're a working adult, you can do this. Because life happens, right? Emergencies happen. And we need to have... The money on hand to take care of emergency costs. And how much, you know, an emergency fund can be $250 and, and then maybe $500 and maybe $1,000. Dave Ramsey says, have $1,000 because you never know what's going to come up. And if you don't have that, then an emergency happens, what's going to happen? 
you're going to use a credit card, right? Let me tell you, your credit card is not an emergency fund. It, it, it's not an emergency fund. We'll talk more about that later, but start saving to you have, so you have a fund when something comes up and something will break, right? Something will break. It's going to happen. It's just, it, it's life. And so when that does happen, you can use your emergency fund and you're not having to go into debt uh, or borrow from somebody else, if not your credit card. But you can actually uh, meet the need with your own funds and then you start uh, rebuilding that fund. Now here's, we're going we're gonna to read several verses from Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. has a lot of wisdom for us, just practical teaching. So let's go first to Proverbs 22.3. This is in the New Living Translation. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent person, a wise person, foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So it's, it's being, you know, simpleton, if we're not saving money, we're just kind of working, 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 day to day, week to week. And we don't have a, an emergency fund for when we, we have an uh, emergency come up. And so start an emergency fund. Here's the next one. Commit to a plan to pay off your debt. Commit to a plan to pay off your debt. If you have debt, then find a good plan. And there are many plans out there. I'm not going to tell you what plan to choose. Just you, can, you can look around. You can Google it. You can find a financial counselor, a website somewhere. I mentioned Dave Ramsey, but there are many others who have a plan to pay off debt. Just find a plan. Commit to it. And, and work it. Um, if, your plan, if your plan is to pay the minimum payment on your debt, that's not a good plan. That's not a good plan. You'll end up paying more in interest than what you paid for whatever product or service you financed, whatever you're paying off. So paying and making the minimum payment is, is not a good plan. Dave Ramsey, and I keep mentioning him, uh, you might look up some information, some of his teaching, but uh, he, he teaches a debt snowball. So you, you pay your smallest debt first and pay that off and, and you work. If you have to work extra jobs or save extra money, you, you, if you have to eat beans for a few months every day, you pay it off. And then once you pay that first small debt, the smallest debt off, then you take that amount you've been paying toward that debt and you add it to the next debt. You add it. Okay, don't say, okay, I've, got, I've been making $200 payments. I've got $200 free dollars. No, you don't. You're going to take those $200 and add it to the minimum payment or whatever you've been paying on the next highest debt, and you pay that off until it starts snowballing and you pay off your debts. But you know what? It starts with a bold decision that you are no longer going to be a slave to debt. No longer a slave to debt. Because this is what Proverbs 22.7 says. Look at this. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now that, that cuts real, real close. The borrower is close. The borrower is slave to the lender. So if you're in debt, you're a slave to whoever lent you that money to buy whatever product or service you're paying off. And here's, think about it this way. When you're in debt, you're a tool for someone else to get rich. If you're in debt, you're making somebody else rich. A company, a corporation, a person. 
But if you're in debt, you're that person's tool to get rich. They're getting rich off of your payment, off of your interest. Someone is making money off of you. So that's why, you know, we have debt. We've got to make a bold decision. I'm not going to be a slave to debt anymore. And I'm not going to let other people make money off of me. I'm going to make money off of others. Right? We'll get to that here in a minute. But um, you got to make that decision. And, and you, you probably won't get out of debt overnight because you probably didn't get in debt overnight. But with a plan to pay off your debt, you can, you can make progress toward that goal in the best way. So find a plan. Commit to a plan and pay off your debt. Here's the next practical step. Healthy habit for financial fitness. Invest in your future. Invest in your future. In other words, instead of you making somebody else rich, instead of somebody making money off of you, you decide that you're going to make money yourself by investing. Now I want to give you two words, and and, uh, I think you'll understand these two words, all of you here. I'll give you two words about, about what I'm talking about. The two words are compound interest. How many of you know what compound interest is? You know, I was uh, in, a, in a math class, I think it was last year. Uh, I have a, a small uh, eight-hour-a-week job tutoring at Lakeview High School. And uh, I tutor students from Mexico primarily, other Latin American countries. And I, I basically just, what it involves, I just go, I follow them to the classes and I interpret for them. So I sit in different classes and I, I'm learning a lot. I'm in an algebra class right now that's bringing back a lot of... Uh, a lot of memories, some good, some not so good. But um, last year I was in a math class where, where the teacher was, was teaching about compound interest, simple interest and then compound interest. And I was thinking, oh, God, I hope these kids get this. I hope they understand it and they realize, wow, compound interest, this is, this is great. I don't know if they will or not. Some of them weren't that interested in it. Others were. But uh, compound interest, as you know, is, is interest that is calculated on the principal amount but also on the accumulated interest of previous periods. It's basically interest on interest, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a useful tool. I mean, what, what you save will grow exponentially over your lifetime. If you save and you invest your money, it grows exponentially over your lifetime. Now, in case you've forgotten what exponents are, what is exponentially... Uh, exponentially is when something, you know, we're talking about compound interest, when something grows so fast that you need to have, you need to use exponents to express it. You can't express the growth of something by addition or even multiplication. You have to express it with exponents. In other words, I mean, what's more, 10 plus 10 or 10 to the 10th power, right? I mean, that, that's compound interest. And so invest Every year that you put off saving and investing, it puts you further behind. Now, uh, I found that Albert Einstein is quoted with a lot of sayings, some of which he maybe didn't say. Uh, he gets credit for them. He knows a very intelligent man, obviously the world's most famous scientist. So I guess, you know, if people want to give him credit. That's fine. But so I'm not sure if this is if this is his quote or not, but he, he once referred to compound interest as the eighth wonder of the world. We all know there are only seven wonders of the world. And, but he says the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. And here's what he said about, 
about compound interest. He said, he who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. I don't want to pay compound interest. I want to, I want to uh, earn it. And so, if you're in debt, you're paying interest to make somebody else rich. But if you're earning interest, you're helping to secure your own future. Now, here's Proverbs 13.11. Proverbs 13.11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Gather money little by little. Saving, investing, that's a plan. Thinking you're going to win the lottery, that's not a plan. Stop dreaming about that. And start dreaming about what your life will be like in 20, 30 years when you've saved and invested. All right, so um, Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Oh, I got a raise. I'm getting next amount of money more a week. I'm gonna, I can spend more money. No, put it aside. Save it. Fools spend whatever they get, but the wise have wealth and luxury because they have saved. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Give consistently and generously. Give consistently and generously. Some people think that the secret to financial fitness is in getting. Getting paid more. Right? Yeah, gimme, gimme. My pastor in Corpus used to say, my name is Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. I hope nobody's named Jimmy here today. But The secret is not in getting. The secret is in giving. In giving. Generosity is the secret to a happy and fulfilling life. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 7. He said, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. In other words, he was saying, look, you're doing great in all these other areas, in your faith, in your speech, all these uh, spiritual areas, your love, earnestness. It says, but I want you to excel also in the grace of giving. Now, we don't usually consider giving a grace, but it's like, yeah, it's this grace that God allows us to give, this empowering of God, this opportunity that God gives us. In other words, God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. God doesn't just want to raise your standard of living. He wants to raise your standard of giving so you can bless others. It's not just about me, but it's about others as well. And Yes, God wants you to enjoy His blessings. God wants to bless you. And I and look at you and I see some of, you, some of these families, when you buy a new house or you have a new car. And, and I rejoice at that. I get really excited when I see somebody driving a new car. Uh, whether it's brand new or just new to you, but God, God has granted you something. God wants you to enjoy His blessings, but He also wants to give through you so others can enjoy His blessings. Because when you give to God, you're proving to God that He can trust you. Now think about it this way. God won't bless an area, He won't bless an area in your life where you don't trust Him. And if you don't trust Him in finances, then he, as much as He wants to, he won't bless you. So, um, give. God has blessed you so that you can give. God has blessed you so you can be a blessing. 
Now it's important to be consistent in our giving and not sporadic. Consistent and not sporadic. Here's what 1 Corinthians 16.2 says. We're almost done here. Okay, So here's 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of every week. Everybody say every. Every week. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, we have advantages today. I mean, uh, normally, you know, we used to just bring our tithing offerings on Sunday, the first day of the week. It was, it was a consistent thing. Now, uh, when I get paid, when I get a, a paycheck, um, my tithe goes out immediately that day. Immediately. Um, I've, I've got, in fact, the way I've got it set up is, I've got it set up to, uh, my giving is automated, so it goes out automatically. And why do I do that? When I, now, there's a, there's a paycheck that I receive through my little part-time job. It's not very much. It really, literally, is not very much. And so, but it's different every, every month, because sometimes I'll work the full eight Hours. Sometimes I don't work. There are weeks I don't go in at all. That's why I like the job. If I got something going on with the church or the church member, I can say, "Hey, I'm not coming in today. I don't get paid, you know." But I can say that. So that little paycheck varies, and so I wait until I get paid before I pay my tithes. But as soon as I get paid, immediately I go online and I pay it. I don't have to wait till the first day of the week. So we have that advantage. But I have a monthly. Uh, my retirement check that comes in from teaching, that's the same. It's going to arrive, and I know when it arrives, and it's always the same. So I've got that set up, so I don't even have to worry about that. Uh, it just I know I'm going to get paid on this day, and that same day, the tithe goes out immediately. It's automated. Now, why, why do I automate it? Here's why I think it's important to automate, if you can, is because we automate what's important, right? We always automate what's important. I'm not going to ask you, but I would guess that some of you have your mortgage payment or your car payment drawn from your account. It's automated. You don't have to write the check. You don't have to worry about it. Why? Because I don't want to miss a car payment. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss a house payment. It's important, right? And you automate what's important. Oh, but the tithe check, well, if I think about it, if I show up at church. You know, sometimes we don't consider that as important, but I, I do, and I think I know some of you do as well. We have, we have the uh, capacity with our online giving that you can automate that if you want. Or you can just come and give it on Sundays like some of you do. That's fine. Either way is fine. I'm just saying, let's be consistent because the Bible says on the first day of every week, it's talking about a consistency, not a sporadic, not a hit and miss. Let me finish with this. Financial fitness starts with this is how we started talking. It starts with spiritual fitness. In other words, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you haven't crossed that line of faith where you say, God, starting today, I give you my heart, my life. I'm going to live for you. I'm, I'm going to receive you as my Savior, the forgiver of my sins, the one who gives me new life, the Lord of my life, the one who is a master over me. Until you have done that, you can make good financial decisions, but the end may still not be what you expect. I know we all think, well, you know what? I know people who aren't Christians. I know people who don't follow Jesus. In fact, they're, they're very vulgar, very heathen, and they're doing great financially. Well, I would answer, first of all, you probably don't really know how they're doing. 
I mean, you, it might, on the outside, it might look they're doing, like they're doing great financially. And even if they are doing great financially, remember, the end of their life hasn't been written. And that's a terrible, that's a terrible factor to use in deciding whether or not you're going to give your life to God. And so I want to encourage you, start your financial fitness by putting God first in your life. By making a decision to follow Him every day of your life. And then begin to implement these biblical principles so that you can be financially fit, so you can be a blessing to your family, first of all, and and to others as well. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for prayer. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for this time that uh, we have been able to look at these verses and to study what financial health looks like, financial fitness I know this is important to you because it's in your word. I know this is important to you because money is a tool that you want us to use to to be a blessing in our lives and to be a blessing to others. And especially, Father, to, to be used to teach and to preach your word, to further your kingdom. And not just in this city, in this community, but in other parts of the world. But God, first of all today, I I pray that you would help us to see, help us to understand that the very first step and the most important step is that our hearts be totally surrendered to you. We would be totally surrendered to you, Father. I pray, dear God, for that person who is struggling because the challenges are real, because the financial hardships are real, because life happens and that person is struggling just to trust you, just to believe what, that what you say in your word is true. That when we put you first, that you do give us the things that we need. That when we bring our tithe and offerings to you, that you do open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that we can't even contain it. That is your word and that is true and we believe it. Help us, dear God, to trust you in that and to become doers of your word. And not hearers only. So I pray for that person who is struggling. I pray for that person who has not made a decision yet. To give their hearts and their lives to you. I pray that even as I pray right now. That they would say God here is my heart. Here is my life. I surrender to you. I surrender my wishes. My desires. My goals. My dreams. My future. I want to follow you. I want to follow your ways. And do whatever you have for me and my family. Lord, grant us, grant us today as we turn to you that we would be able to live the life that you intend for us to live. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.